0: Welcome back to the Inside OSU podcast. I'm Robin Hearn. According to the American Veterinarian Medical Association, 57% of American households own pets, including 77 million dogs. These pets become a part of our families, and keeping those pets healthy is important to us. I sat down with the Associate Professor of Small Animal Surgery, Dr. Danielle Dugat. Dr. Dugat is researching disc disease and how it impacts our animals, on today's podcast, she talks in detail about a procedure developed here at OSU and how it's helping. Can you tell me what disc disease is and is it common in other animals besides dogs?
1: Yeah, so disc disease is essentially when the spine undergoes some changes Um, We call them old age changes, so essentially the cushions in our spine that help our bones and help us move and walk or run, they undergo changes to where they then start to cause problems for us, and what we see in dogs is these discs will rupture, and then they go out of their location and move in to put pressure on the spinal cord. So when the disc ruptures and causes pressure on the spinal cord, then the dog will present with wobbliness, what we call ataxia or a drunken stupor, um, falling all over the place or even paralyzed. So they can have a variety of neurologic presentation when this happens. They can also just be painful too, depending on the degree of that disc rupture that occurs. We see it in all types of dogs. Majority of dogs that we see it in are the short-legged, long-bodied, dogs. So we call them chondrodystrophic dogs or dachshunds, basset hounds, corgis, dogs that sit low to the ground and have that long stretched out body. Um, they're the poster child. But we also see it in pit bulls, German shepherds, Labradors. We can see it in any variety. Humans rupture discs too. So it's, it's not much different than what we see even in, in us um, as far as the disease process.
0: Okay, see I own a German Shepherd. We have a we have a family dog. And what should an owner look for whenever if their
1: dog might have this have this disease? Mm-hmm. So the biggest things to look for is the dog suddenly being reluctant to want to walk or run. So the first thing you might notice is they're just painful. So they may be reluctant to get up or kind of stand with an arched back, um, reluctant to run or, or go do something that they normally would do every day, You know, get up and go outside to go to the bathroom. They also may, this may happen overnight when they're sleeping, so they may wake up that morning and all of a sudden be wobbly and acting like they are drunk and falling over, can't catch their steps dragging their toes where their toes kind of curl underneath them so you'll see a change in either how they're feeling because they're suddenly stiff and not wanting to move or you'll see that they're stumbling and not walking right um, or they can't get up at all and so if they're paralyzed then they're not going to be able to get up at all, which sometimes is a progression over hours. But if you go leave for work that morning, we have owners come home from work and say, my dog was normal this morning. When I got home, he can't walk. So it can happen that fast. So any of those things that you would look for would be things that would clue you in that, hey, maybe I need to call my vet right away.
0: Gotcha. I will let my brother know (laughs) because our dog lives with him. So what should an owner do to prevent
1: it? Is there a way to prevent it? Yeah. So disc disease is um, one of the most common things we see in the surgery world that we see in those certain types of breeds, specifically the the long-bodied, short-legged breeds. And so what we can do is try and prevent that from happening in the future. We do a procedure here at Oklahoma State called the laser disc ablation, which helps reduce the risk of recurrence of it happening again once they have, the disc rupture the first time, it helps reduce that risk from about 15 to 20% down to about 4.5%. So it's not a a foolproof 100% preventative, but definitely something we can do to try and reduce that percentage pretty significantly. Now you mentioned the surgery. So what do you guys actually do in the procedure? So in the procedure, we actually target those, the center of the disc. So if you think of the disc as a jelly donut, the jelly donut has the outer part of the donut itself that's kind of the tougher part of the disc. Then you have the inner jelly part. That jelly part's what ruptures when they have disc disease. And it pushes out and then goes and compresses the spinal cord. So we target the jelly. We stick a needle into that jelly through the skin. So we use um, what's called a C-arm fluoroscopy. Essentially, it's like a video camera that you're taking images with, but it looks like an x-ray. So if you used your video camera at home to document your dog running around, it's the same thing, but you'd see an x-ray image of your dog instead. So we use that video, that real-time video image to place our needles, and we put them into the discs that are at highest risk. So in the middle to lower back, there's eight consecutive disc spaces that we have a high risk of rupturing. So we stick a needle in all those and then fire a laser into those needles to then get rid of that jelly part of the donut and make it go away so it's not there to rupture in the future. Okay, that sounds very complex though. It is. (laughs) It's easy for me, but yes, it's definitely targets, you know, what needs to be targeted, but it is complex.
0: Now this procedure was developed at OSU, correct?
1: Yes. Well, yes. For the dog it was developed at OSU. It's actually taken from humans. They do it in the human world for young males in their early twenties that have back pain. So this mm-hmm. procedure is done on humans. So back in the eighties, Dr. Bartles kinda took that procedure and said, Whoa, these are kind of a lot of things we see in dogs and developed it here at OSU.
0: Does anybody else do this procedure on dogs in around the country?
1: There is other facilities that do do this procedure. They've all been trained by us here. So we've had I've trained about five or six different surgeons and neurologists throughout the country. They come here, get the training from me directly and then go back and perform it at their clinic. So there's two clinics in Massachusetts, Boston area. There's one in Missouri doing it. There's one in Dallas, one in California, and then our another clinic here in Oklahoma does it as well. Nice. Okay. So it's like almost nationwide. We're branching out. We're getting getting bigger. It takes A lot of equipment, a lot of expensive equipment to perform the procedure, so a lot of clinics wouldn't have the capability of doing that or or maybe not have the interest in getting the equipment just for that procedure.
0: Right, right. Um, So why should an owner want to
1: do this procedure for their dogs? So an owner, to me, would want to do it because... The stress of rupturing a disc for a dog is not only obviously hard on the dog itself, but the whole family is stressed because you have a dog that was normal this morning and then paralyzed, you know, when you get home from work. And so it's an emotional roller coaster to go through. And it's, then those dogs have to have an actual surgery to go remove that disc rupture, which is here costs $5,000. In other parts of the country, it can cost an upwards of $8,000 when you have to have the surgery. So when you undergo that and recover, they don't want to do it again. You know, they don't want this to happen again on their dog. So they're very interested. These are the most dedicated clients I have because they want to ensure that their dog has the best quality of life and doesn't have to have another disc rupture. Because once they rupture that disc the first time, they have up to a 20% risk of it happening again. So minimizing that risk and making their lives better for the dog but then also adding more comfort to the family knowing that their dog's a little more protected is well worth it
0: that's good i mean as a dog owner i want to make sure my dog has the best life possible and i mean he's only three years old right now right but i still want him to run as long as possible do you see it more in older dogs and younger dogs good
1: question so we actually see it in you could see it in a variety of ages So when they rupture a disc, they can rupture it in two places. The most common is their middle to lower back. They can also rupture discs in their neck. When they rupture them in their neck, they're usually older, about 9 to 11 years of age. When they rupture them in their mid to lower back, they're young, 3 years to 5 years old. Um, So when you talk about the short-legged, long-bodied breeds, the dachshunds, the corgis, the basset hounds specifically, shih tzus, their discs are undergoing that aging process as early as nine months of age. Why? Because I think we put a lot more stress on the discs because of just their conformation. That stretched out long body, those short legs, there's a lot more stress on those discs. So as young as nine months of age, they're already undergoing changes. So that's why by the age of three, they're rupturing. And then, you know, these dogs will live till 16. I have a dachshund myself who's 17 years old. So they have a lot of life ahead of them. And so that's why it can be pretty stressful if it happens once that young.
0: Wow. Okay. I'm just very shocked by that, that it happens so young. Right. Is
1: it genetic? Like, does the mom carry it? Does the dad carry it? How is that? So there's no genetic component that we know of. We just, it's uh it's more of just the way that we breed these dogs to be in the nature of their body shape. So confirmationally, they have a higher risk of this happening, but it's not anything that the mom would pass down to her babies or any heritability that you would have to worry about with these guys. What has your success rate been so far for this procedure? So for this procedure, the success rate is in the hands of what we've done for the laser disc ablation. Dogs don't come back having to have surgery again unless they fall in that 4.5% risk. So, I mean, you're talking 96% success rate. There's about an about a 90% success rate of those dogs doing excellent, but maybe only having an episode of pain in their back that lasts one to three days. So they never have to have surgery again. They're painful maybe for a day or two, but then they're fine. And so it's almost like they tweak their back a little bit. So really, I would say almost 96% is the best percentage that we can give.
0: Okay. So how can this be managed, especially for owners of these type
1: of breeds? How can the disc disease be managed? Yes. So, unfortunately, there's not much that you can do. You can't prevent it from happening because those discs are undergoing those changes at such a young age. What they can do is be more cautious with maybe what they're allowing their dog to do. So high energy jumping off of the bed, especially for the, not necessarily the larger breed dogs, but especially for the smaller, short-legged dogs, jumping off the bed, jumping off the couch, that kind of activity is going to put more stress on the spine. You know, maybe being more cautious running up and down stairs. But honestly, you have to also let a dog be a dog. So I also counsel my owners that I've seen dogs that aren't active rupture discs and I've seen the most active ones rupture discs. So it's across the spectrum not something you can pinpoint and say don't do this and you'll be fine. Um, So you can do some of those things to decrease their activity but you got to let them be a dog too.
0: Which I understand a dog (laughs) needs to be a dog that's for sure. So are there any alternative procedures to this one because $5,000 is quite a bit a lot of money for an owner to pay but I mean if you love your dog you'll pay it of course. So
1: the the $5,000 cost is when they have to have the actual surgery you know if they're having a problem. The laser disc ablation costs 1500 and that we do once they're recovered from their episode. So we can't do this laser disc ablation until they resolve their rupture that they had. So if they undergo a disc rupture, they can potentially have medical management if it's mild where we just put them in a essentially like they're in jail. So you put them in a crate. It's usually harder on the owner than it is the dog because you don't want your dog to be locked up 24-7. But you put them in a crate. You have them on a leash only to go potty outside. And they can recover with a 90% success rate depending on how severe they are. So they can do great with medical management. If they have to have surgery, they undergo surgery pay the $5,000 and then undergo a period after surgery of four weeks of rest to to heal from that. Then after the medical or surgical management, you can have a laser disc ablation and that is $1,500 to do and or to have and then you undergo a two-week recovery period and then back to normal.
0: So it's a quick recovery period. It's a period. quick recovery. Okay, yes. that's good. That's good because you know, dogs got to be dogs. Right,
1: right. And like I said, it, it you won't I can't imagine the amount of stress that owners undergo knowing they have to keep their dog locked up. They think it's impossible. They think their dog's going to stress out, but really it's all the owner stressing. The dogs are usually fine, but it's a lot of stress to undergo for that kind of period of time.
0: Which I understand. Is there any advice that you would give an owner or somebody who wants to buy this certain breed of dogs?
1: Yes. So what I'm actually looking to do is engage in a new research study of doing this procedure truly as a preventative before they ever have a disc rupture. So catching these dogs like when they're a year of age. And so what I would advise owners right now is to know that if they buy a Dachshund, that Dachshund is at a 25% risk of having a disc rupture or a disc problem. And so disc disease is so high in those breeds that they just need to be aware of what to look for. And if you see any of those signs of the arch back, the reluctance to move, the wobbliness, the stumbling, falling over, can't move, immediately call your veterinarian. And then that way your veterinarian can see you and guide you as to what needs to happen as far as do I put them in a crate, can I watch them, or do I have to go get to a surgeon right away? So getting to your veterinarian at the first sign that you see will will give you better success rates if they do have a disc rupture. The procedure is amazing because it was created as an alternative to a surgical procedure that is done, where a surgical procedure is very aggressive and takes down a lot of muscle, in it, and the dog has to undergo a lot of trauma to try and remove the discs in the same fashion. So this is a nice procedure because you don't have to make any incisions in the skin. It's a needle poke through the skin. It takes 25 minutes total to do, so it's very quick. The dog comes to our clinic, has a procedure and leaves without you knowing anything happened except they have a funny haircut because we have to shave their hair. So our goal with this procedure is that they don't see anything in the way of a complication or a problem that their dog walks out of the clinic the way it came, which is nice because then the owner has that degree of satisfaction that they helped their dog and their dog didn't hurt from having it done.
0: What is your favorite thing about this procedure?
1: My favorite thing about this procedure, to be honest, is when I hear follow up from the owners. So the procedure's fun and quick and easy to do in the realm of the things that I have to do on a day to day basis. But when I contact owners after and they tell me specifically that my dog is like a new dog again makes me happy because then we know we did good because these dogs undergo a lot of pressure in their discs just like the humans do where we develop this procedure from their discs are under high pressure and so I think they live with a lot of chronic pain that they just we don't know that they live with but they just they just do, and nobody knows it until after we do the procedure, and then all of a sudden their dog's acting like a nine month old puppy again, running around and jumping and much more active, so it's really satisfying to see owners so happy and hear the follow up from them that their dog is is like a new you know dog again, which is great, so that that makes it all worth it.
0: Good, good. How long have you been doing this procedure?
1: I've been doing this procedure since two thousand and nine. Here at OSU, that's when I learned how to do it. And I've been here since doing it. So we do approximately two to three a week. We have clients come from all over the country. The last one that went came from the farthest way was Hawaii. So they come from all over California, Hawaii, Florida, Where you name it. And we've probably seen them from that state. Wow, that is dedication. Yes, yeah, so they're the most dedicated owners. They come from afar. We counsel them before. My, um, my nurse that's on my staff with me talks to them before, makes sure they have all their paperwork because we don't want them to travel that far and then not be the right candidate for the procedure. So they are all counseled before and up to speed. They come and, and travel here from a distance, fly or drive, and then they have a great experience. So that makes it worth it.
0: Where do you see this procedure going in the future?
1: I would love in the future for this procedure to be in the hands of all the surgeons that can do it. Um, You know, I'd love to host some labs that I can get more than one at a time here so we can just get the word out. And in order to do that too, it takes more research. So I'm embarking on some, I have new ideas, you know, for research goals that we can do to just get more data out there more literature published so that more can be aware of it, you know, and and be interested in doing it themselves. So my goal is that hopefully this procedure becomes much more widespread in the future.
0: I want to thank Dr. Dugat for taking the time to discuss her research with us. That's all for this edition of Inside OSU. I'm Robin Hearn. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Thanks for listening.